Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Coach Time on the Believe Network. I'm your host, John Lyons, and we have a very special episode today because we are joined by the one and only Shukri Wrights. You've heard him on the Shukri Wrights podcast. You've heard him on the Believe Network. You've heard him on your radio talking sports, and you've probably seen his videos on social media as well. He is a great resource for sports information. And he always brings great takes. So, Shukri, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you today? Hey, how you doing, man? Listen, it is it is a.m. time and I am chilling. I can't complain. How are you doing today? Not bad, man. It's a very interesting time on the sports calendar because we have the Masters going on as we speak. Yes. We also have the NBA and NHL seasons winding down. We have MLB just started. But despite mm-hmm. all of that, Shukri, what's at the forefront of the news? It's still the NFL, as always. And I want king. Yeah, it it really, I mean, it's amazing. We have all this great sporting events going on. And the thing we're leading off the show is, and I want to get your take on, is reports this week, specifically by Mike Florio, that Bill Belichick earlier this offseason, quote, shopped Mac Jones around the NFL. And there's obviously a lot with this story, a lot to unpack there. So do you, A, believe Belichick actually shopped him? And B, what do you think if he did? Yeah, I actually do believe that Belichick did, in fact, shop him. Because the thing that I think about is when you go back to the end of the season, what did Belichick say when he was asked whether if Mac Jones was going to be the guy next season? His response was Mac Jones is a, is a is a pretty is a good um, starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, very it, non-committal. It was very non-committal, very Belichickian like response and. And this is why I tell people, like, don't get wrapped up in the emotions and the blind loyalty um, and so forth, because I'm a man who likes to listen and watch. I listen to what people say and what they don't say. That's why when Belichick gave that noncommittal answer, it was like, okay, either Mac Jones is going to be fighting for his job come training camp or there's going to be a new guy in the house. And at the time, I was like, you know what? Brady's going to be leaving Tampa Bay. Bring him back. I'm, I'm all for it. Obviously, we know what happened with, with Tom Brady having retired. And this time, I genuinely believe it's for good. And and now the report surfacing that Bel- Belichick had um, had been shopping Mac Jones earlier in the offseason. I brought this up on my radio show this past week. And actually, I stand corrected. I brought it up both on the radio show and as well as the podcast on on Believe Network. And and I said, if you do believe that Mac Jones is the guy, why aren't you putting him in the best position to succeed? You know that you still need a number one receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster 
if I haven't made it abundantly clear already, is not a number one receiver. He is a number two at best. And we are at a time in which that the, the Patriots are surrounded by a bunch of number twos and number threes. Right now, you, your receiving core looks like this for 2023. Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers is gone. So that means Kendrick Bourne is going to need to step, step up into an even bigger role. We'll see how that works out. Hunter Henry, I mean, who, I mean, who knows at this point? Um, and, and I mean, like, John o. Smith is also gone. But even but you get the point. There is no number one. It's so clear. It's a lot of B B plus. It's guys, a lot. No correct. A's. It's a lot of B B minuses. Yeah. No A's. And, and right. And when you're in a division, when you're in a division, in which you, you got the Bills who are going to be contenders, you got they got a clear number one in Stephon Diggs. You look at the Jets. Yes, the New York Jets, and. I would even go as far as to say, like, was it Garrett Wilson? Yeah, he was one of the like, best rookies. He, he in was the one NFL. of the best receivers in the league. Thank yeah. you. And you you look at Miami, obviously Tyreek Hill, and and like oh Jalen Waddle, not 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 to be outdone either. You look at the Patriots right now. Find out who was the number one receiver. I'll I, I wait for I wait for it from any Patriots fan. I'll wait. You yeah, don't have I, one. It, it's a great point in that they have a lot of guys that you look at. That are solid, like Devontae Parker is a solid player. Juju Smith, I think, is a pretty good player. Mike Gesicki right. could be pretty good. Taekwon, Th- but there's nobody that you're like, oh wow, he's a great player. I mean, like, oh my God, look, you, we, we got a game plan for that guy. Correct. Right. The only guy on the Patriots offense you probably look at is a great player. Maybe there's two. Is probably Ramondre Stevenson and Mike Onwenu. And in today's NFL, as valuable as those guys are. It's not the same no. as having Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle or Stephon mm-hmm. Diggs and Josh Allen. Like it's just not the same. So you're right in that. And and I love the point that you brought up earlier. And, and I've talked about this too uh, on my podcast about Mac Jones being put in the position to succeed because I think last off season, or excuse me, last season, yes, Mac Jones whined and complained and had temper tantrums. That's not acceptable. Yes, Mac Jones talked to other coaches on other teams. That's not acceptable. But the original sin is. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge running the offense. Like that's oh, what absolutely caused, because you huh? went from an offense in 2021 that was seventh in the league in points per game. Mac Jones had arguably the best rookie season for a quarterback ever, or at least near the top with 3,800 yards passing and 22 touchdowns mm-hmm. and making the playoffs to eight and nine and a lot of turnovers, a lot of frustration. And frankly, and, and I, th- I feel like I've said this a thousand times now, but I think you can agree. If they just had a competent offensive coordinator last year, probably a playoff team. I do, and then on top of that, I think if the Patriots do not commit self-inflicted wounds, they win ten games again. They're they probably a wild card. Touchdowns. I mean, oh. there you go, there you go. And then to to further add to, and I and I agree with your point one hundred percent, which is part of the reason why, like, it makes me angry here on the Saturday morning as we're doing this podcast. When I think of the responses I see on Twitter, and I and I know I probably shouldn't use Twitter as an example because Twitter is a is a freaking cesspool. It's not real life, but it's not real life. When when you watch the games, and you watch this this team, and I look at Bill Belichick in this particular instance, the man who is responsible for constructing this roster. What are we doing? What like what what are we honestly doing? And if Mac Jones isn't the guy. Let's just, I'm going to play devil's advocate with you right here, right now. 
if Mac Jones isn't the guy, there's someone in Baltimore, and I will die on this hill. There's someone in Baltimore that the Patriots should actually be knocking on the door. <clears throat> Hello. Hi, uh, is there a Mr. Lamar Jackson available? What would, why would you like to speak to him? We'd like to inquire about his services. But instead, instead of that, you get Robert Kraft, who I've been critical of this offseason, saying, well, I mean, we, I mean, we, we could go get I mean, Lamar Jackson, but it, that, that decision is entirely up to Bill. Do you honestly trust Bill Belichick to go out and make that kind of a ballsy move, especially at the quarterback position where he's made abundantly clear he doesn't value that position? So the answer to that is no. So I look at it in two fronts. You're not putting Mac Jones in the best position to to succeed. You're relying on the NFL draft, which I get that there have been reports that the Patriots had met with I believe four of the top receiving um yeah like receiving um prospects ahead of the NFL draft, which is coming up in three weeks, which yeah, is hard to believe. It's coming right up. Yeah. And again, my faith in Bill Belichick when it comes to the draft, not very high, especially receivers. Don't get me started. So with that being said, I I feel conflicted because Belichick is, you know. Do, doing these little things, which leads me to believe that he's maybe 50-50 on Mac, but yet again, if he isn't the guy, because you got one more year to make that decision, if he's the guy or not, and next year you don't know what the quarterback landscape is going to look like, let alone the quarterback on prospect pool in the NFL scout on combine and as well as the draft. Don't you try to make some sort of a of a monster move now so that at least if you were to have a Lamar Jackson, you are back in the Super Bowl contending pool. And I'm not talking playoff contending, I'm talking Super Bowl contending pool. Why? Because it goes back to a video that I made for Believe. And I said this, that the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers doesn't put them in the postseason. It makes them a Super Bowl contender, especially with that defense. Yeah. With Sauce Gardner, now, now the modern-day Darrell Reeves. I know yeah. that's a lofty thing to say, but I'm going to say it for, for, for God's sakes and have the boss to say it. But he's the modern-day Darrell Reeves, in my opinion. Come on. Yeah. Come on. And that's a Jets offense, by the way. Brees Hall looked like a really good piece before he got hurt. We already talked about oh, Garrett yeah. Wilson. Ooh, good ooh. young offensive line. Like that's and if Nathaniel Hackett is there for Aaron Rodgers, then you have an offensive coordinator that he had a lot of success with recently. So yeah, that's a Jets team. Like a lot of teams say they're a quarterback away. The Jets really are just are. a quarterback away. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. It puts the Patriots in a unique position. And, and personally, like I think they do think Mac can be a good quarterback and can win at a high level, but you're right in that. And it's not just receiver, right? They still have a big hole at tackle. And and look, I like Riley Leaf reef. Excuse me. I like Calvin Anderson, but those guys aren't blue chip tackles. No. Trent Brown was inconsistent last year. Like they, I think their first round pick is going to be tackle, or at least one of their first two round picks is going to be a tie. And I think it has to be because yeah. As much as it would be fun to have a number one receiver, and as much as I think they could really use it, I agree with all your points. I think tackles an even bigger need. I mean, how many times was Mac Jones 
just under constant pressure last year and couldn't even a get lot. the ball out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's something that they need to address as well. And at least when it comes to tackle, that is something they have drafted well. And I think they can have success in, in the first two rounds, but it's not like they only have one hole on offense, uh, unfortunately. And I, I think if we walk away from the draft and they have an answer at tackle mm-hmm. and they have an answer, by the way, too, on defense at outside corner, then they're going to be in a much better position, but you still wonder, like, I think the offense is going to be better no matter what, because they have Bill O'Brien, but they still don't have a weapon of any sort that you look at as an A or A plus weapon. And here's the thing. I'm not even saying it has to be, you know, AJ Brown, like last year's draft night trade like that. Like, mm-hmm. let's look at the Patriots teams that won Super Bowls. Sometimes that weapon was Rob Gronkowski at tight end. He was an A plus weapon. Other times, like in 2016, Chris Hogan led the NFL in yards per reception. You don't think of him as an A plus weapon, but that year, he and the combination of him and Edelman, it really was. And go back to 2001, Troy Brown had 101 catches. Deion Branch won a Super Bowl MVP. So mm-hmm. we can go on and on. But the point is, they've always had some sort of A, A-plus level weapon when they've won Super Bowls. And sometimes it's, you know, a, a outside receiver who's a lot of fun. Other times it's a tight end. Heck, in 2004, it was probably Corey Dillon. So it, yeah. it's always some sort of guy. And I know the NFL is different now, but they don't, I don't know if they have that guy right now, Shukri, but. Shukri, yeah. I, we I, we could talk about the Patriots for an hour. But oh, for sure. You have mm-hmm. your Celtics hat on, and, and I have to ask you, right? So the Boston Celtics, they're 56-25. and 25. They're locked into the 2 seed. They have a game left here, and it looks like they're probably going to end up playing Miami in the first round. I'm just projecting that Miami wins that sure. first you know, play-in game to get the 7 seed. So the Boston, they start 21-5, and five, and now they're at this point. Look, they're still a top 2 seed. They're going to have the second-best record in the NBA, are you satisfied with how their regular season has gone and how they're set up to go into the playoffs? No. Okay. I'm genuinely not satisfied at all. And the reason is because, as you mentioned, you start off 21 and five. And the thing that I'm going to look at, if the Celtics do not, in the bare minimum, give back to the NBA Finals, the thing that I'm going to look at the most is what happened at the All Star break because something changed. I don't know what it was. And I, I, don't, I don't when I say I don't know what it was, I don't know if you can just pinpoint just one thing. Sure. I I, I genuinely believe that. They got off to such a, a roaring start. The all-star break comes. Joe Mazzula gets the interim tag remove. He gets offered um the, the full-time role as the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And then hell broke loose. And I don't mean that in a good way. Yeah. The and Celtics Tatum won the all-star game MVP, too. Yeah, but like, but that was the beginning of the problems. The beginning of the problems was these losses. Well, it wasn't just the fact that they were losing. It's the way that they were losing. They were blowing these huge leads. I mean, there was what a, a three-game stretch where they blew like double-digit leads in yeah. three consecutive. Brooklyn, the twenty-eight the point lead. The twenty-eight point lead against the Knicks. The, was it the twenty? The thirty-two point lead against the Nets, or was it twenty-six? Twenty-eight point lead against Brooklyn, and Brooklyn. there was like a twenty-point lead against yes, the Knicks. Thank then you. There were, and there was another one in and there, too, the and Cavalier then, game. Yeah, the, and then they the, lost the, the, to Houston on the road not long after. One of the worst teams in the league this past season, literally. Like th- it, those were the kind of losses that had me like, what the actual hell is going on with the Celtics? And it is not the X's and O's. It's the mental makeup, and I thought it was just particularly telling to to watch and listen to um the Joe Mazzula in the post game in the way that he would answer, and it's just like, no, oh, not worried, we'll we'll, we'll be yeah. fine, and it's like, 
I miss the the urgency that Ime Odoka had a year ago, lighting a fire in the asses of these of these guys. Um, and right now, I am I'm feeling a little better, actually a, a lot a lot better about this team the way that they finished. Yeah, but there's one problem, and it, and I am so so aggravated, so aggravated, and it remains to be seen how it all pans out. Ladies and gentlemen, in case if you're just reading this or hearing this this morning or whatever, Jalen Brown had five stitches on his hand, picking up broken pieces of a of a broken vase or something like that. Yeah. This has got to be like, are you bleeping kidding me? Like, like feeling and reaction. For me, it was like a like that was my reaction. Like when I when I saw the photo on tw- on Twitter last time, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Because you know what this reminds me of? And I and I hate to do this 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 cross sport comparison. David Pasanak, when he injured himself during the 2018-19 yeah. season, doing God knows what at a at a team function that night, somewhere during that season. Pasanak was never right afterwards. And it wasn't the reason why the Bruins lost the Stanley Cup Finals to the St. Louis Blues. Excuse me, but it but, contributed to it. But it definitely contributed to yeah. it for sure. Yeah. Now, Jalen Brown, if the if the Celtics do not win the NBA Finals, and Jalen Brown isn't right, point back to that moment. So that yeah. so that frankly, I, I I am very concerned about uh, about Jalen Brown, not about his ability to be ready. How serious is that cut on his hand and will it affect the shooting? Yeah, and, and I think it's a it's a good point because if you look at the Celtics playing Miami in the first round, it's about as bad a first it's round matchup. Bad. As, and look, I think the Celtics are better than Miami. I think they should win that series. But this is a Miami team that in the bubble went to the NBA finals last year, took the Celtics to seven games in the Eastern Conference finals. They still have Jimmy Butler. They still have Bam Adebayo. They still have arguably the best coach in the NBA and Eric Spolstra. Like yeah. that's a really difficult first round matchup that yes i think the celtics can win but they're going to go into the second round not as in great position i think if they were to play say brooklyn or atlanta in the first round and no disrespect to those teams but miami is a like championship level at least mentality and they have right a lot of talent and look the thing about the celtics this year is i feel like after the all-star break they first of all they got a little bit cold shooting and which will happen from time to oh, time they did. But, they, but they put it it felt like into cruise control a little bit. And it reminded me somewhat of the 2010 Celtics in the second half of their season. Great but point. The, yeah. But the difference is, Shukri, that 2010 Celtics team had already won a championship. And they knew what it took to exactly. win one in 2008. This team, I know they got to the NBA Finals. I get it. But I'm a little leery of teams going into cruise control that haven't won at all yet. Like if the Golden State Warriors go into cruise control, or a team like Phoenix. I know they haven't won, but Kevin Durant has won. Like if they were to go, like those teams, like, okay, you've won. The Lakers with LeBron and AD, like mm-hmm. teams like that that have won. If they go, I don't. I still don't love it, but at least I'm like, okay, they know what it takes. Whereas the Celtics team, they still haven't won it yet. And to me, look, when I look at the end of the season, I'm mostly satisfied. And I'll tell you why, because I think the two biggest reasons they lost the NBA finals last year, number one, they could not score in the last five minutes of close games. Absolutely, that, that was a that was a fatal flaw. And you, most notably, game four of the NBA Finals, I will forever yeah. look at the turning point in that whole series. Yeah, seven twenty nine. You're up. You're up by six. 
and you go call offensive at the worst time, worst part of worst time in the game. Yeah. So to me, that's the number one reason. And you mentioned game four of the NBA finals, game five against Milwaukee, game six against Miami. And mm-hmm. that fi- like they lost all those games. And you can even say game seven against Miami, which I know they won. But if not for a Jimmy Butler missed three, they wouldn't have because yeah. they went cold. And the- they were up by 13 with three minutes to go and, and barely hung on. So getting Malcolm, Bro- <clears throat> excuse me, get him Mal- getting Malcolm Brogdon and having another year experience, I do think solves that. And I think the second biggest reason they lost was health and rest. Robert Williams was injured. Tatum was out of gas. Jalen Brown, despite leading the Celtics in scoring, had some bad mm-hmm. turnovers from, it looked like fatigue. So the fact that they're going into the playoffs better at scoring in the last five minutes and rested and healthy, I, I look at as a great thing. Oh yeah. But I still think they should have the number one seed after starting 21 and five. So like, I'm, should, I'm mostly yeah. satisfied, but I'm still frustrated that like, I think they can win a game seven in Milwaukee, but I'm a little frustrated that they have to play a game seven in Milwaukee. If it comes to that. Exactly. And and there was, and there was something that, that kept that cropped in my mind when you were talking about the second half uh, struggles that really caught my, that caught my attention and it immediately brought back a column that I read in the Boston globe. Gary Washburn, who does a terrific job yeah. covering the Celtics for the Boston Globe, he brought up this stat, and I believe this 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 article is maybe about a month and a, a month and some change ago ish. He was saying, and I want you to go look, to, to look at this. When the Celtics are shooting above thirty something percent, their their win record is the best in the NBA. Yeah. When they're shooting less than that, it's 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 alarming the drop off. It's yeah. it's a precipitous like drop. Yeah. When they're hitting threes, they're the best team in the NBA, and that's I, the I problem. Don't think it's close. And 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 and, that, and that's a massive problem because. And I talked about this at the time on my radio show, in which that and I said this: if you are going to play in the NBA playoffs, teams are going to better defend against the three. Yeah. And if you're not knocking those three pointers down, you have to be able to find other ways to win. That means being better in the paint, getting those offensive rebounds, you know, second chance points, and those little things that you can get away with in the, in the regular season, they matter in the playoffs because yeah. those are the difference between wins and losses. And for the Celtics, that's why I am concerned going into the going to the NBA playoffs that. This trend continues. They, it shouldn't continue. That they, they should have more than one way to win, and I and I believe that they do, especially in the with the emergence of of, of Malcolm Brogdon. And I will forever thank Brad Stevens for going out and making that trade for him last summer because right now he is the clear cut sixth man of the year in the NBA. Like without Mark, Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think the Celtics are in the number two seed right now, despite their second half slump. That cost him the number one seed to the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think he's been that big of a difference maker. He, yeah. he not only can shoot the three, but he knows how to attack the rim and be um, to, to, to really dictate his game in the paint, be able to distribute the basketball as well. Yeah. And I would even add to that, Shukri, that they can be better defensively as well. I mean, last oh, year they were, the, they were the best defensive team in the NBA last year. Right now, their defensive rating is seventh, which is still great, but that's still a drop off from being Massive number drop one. off. Yeah. Right. So, like, and that's another way to win. So, I, I think you're right in that, like, when they're hitting their threes, they're the best team in the NBA. But when they're not, they have had trouble finding other ways to win this year. Now, can they do that in the playoffs? I think they could, but we haven't seen a ton of 
evidence to it yet. And one thing I'm hopeful for is mm-hmm. they've had a lot of instances this year of playing down to their competition, right? We They've lost multiple games to Orlando. They've lost to Houston, right? They've lost mm-hmm. to some teams that they're significantly better than. At least in the postseason, there's not really anyone to play down to, especially once yeah. you get past the first round. So hopefully that at least won't be an issue and we'll see them really turn it on. And I think rest, I, I still think, like if you put a gun to my head, I would rather them be rested and healthy and have to play game seven in Milwaukee than have the one seed and have Tatum out of gas or Robert Williams injured like he was last year. But with that being said, you start 21 and five. I would still like to see the one seed, you know, in your possession. Absolutely. Shukri. We're talking with Shukri rights, by the way, of believe network, 91.5 FM. I hope I got that right. Shukri. And you can see him on Twitter. He's just a, he's a man of the people. He's everywhere. And Shukri, a team that has no trouble with the number one seed, the Boston Bruins. I, I, I want to close the show here talking about them because, yeah. Shukri, we can't talk about your New York Yankees and my Boston Red Sox. It's that's, too painful that's, that's for me right that's, now. That's, that's, it's too listen, painful. I wouldn't, I, wanted... want to, I, I wouldn't want to talk about the Yankees considering their maddening loss yesterday against the Orioles, yeah. but that's another that's another topic for another day. We can do a podcast in July when they're eight games up in the division. Don't worry. Uh, but the Bruins, so look, they're 61-12-5, which is just kind of mind-blowing to say they have yeah. four games left. They have 127 points and they're in range of both the wins record and the points record. And I want to ask you the same exact question about the Bruins that I asked you about the Celtics. They're cruising into the playoffs right now. They're going to have home ice. They've got the president's trophy, but they did have an injury to Charlie McAvoy earlier this week. How do you feel about the Bruins as they head into the postseason? I feel great to be honest, to be honest with you. And, and it's the reason it's not just, because like they're flying high, but because it just seems like there's another gear to this team and they've talked about it that they have yet to have reached. I'm genuinely curious to see whether we see that that next gear in the playoffs or not. And but the reason why I feel great about them is because I can't remember a team that is just so lethal and so deep in every shape and way that. I look at it and say, well, name one weakness for this Boston Bruins team. I don't you know can't. if I can find one. You can't find one. Well, what about the bottom six? Best in the NHL. Yeah. They got the best third line, especially when it's fully healthy. And even when they haven't been fully healthy, they're still dominating. Yeah. Go, go, go look at Tyler Bertuzzi and his impact on, since coming to the um to the Bruins. Not and also gone in half three as well. I mean, it's it is disgusting. Yeah. how deep this team is. And, oh, by the way, Taylor Hall is on the cusp of returning to the Bruins, by the way. Yeah, and they have NHL-level defensemen playing in Providence because they're so deep at the blue line. It's really yeah, a team. It's and, embarrassingly, like, yeah. disgusting how, 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 how deep they are. And then, oh, by the way, they also went out and, and they got Dimitri Olof, which I'm not going to leave out of this conversation because Dimitri yeah. Olof, they didn't even have to go out and get him, but the fact that they did and add to that nastiness yeah. that they need for the playoffs. This and I said this before, but this team really gives me 2011 vibes. Not so much because of the fact that they won the Stanley Cup, but in terms of the physicality, the nastiness, and the grit in their game that they've been lacking in recent years. They haven't had that since 2013, in my opinion. They they, they sorely lacked it in 2019 when they made the run to the Stanley Cup Finals. When it faced off against the St. Louis Blues team that was by far more physical, had a lot of nastiness in their game. I mean, although it was it was rather uh, peak questionable at best, but still, 
they haven't had that in quite some time. And now you look at this Bruins team and you're like, uh, who wants to play them? I don't, I don't think the Islanders want to play them. And sure as hell not Pittsburgh, you know, and not to mention if Toronto beats Tampa Bay and they finally win a, a playoff round, that's got to be the most sickest joke probably in the history of the NHL. Congratulations, Toronto. You, you've you won a playoff round, but guess who got to play? Yeah. Hi. The Bruins, right? Remember us for the last first 10 round. years? And I just yeah. mentioned it yesterday on the pod, on my own podcast where, where I was like, thank you. You can blame the Boston Bruins for your misery the last 10 years. And oh, by the way, you have, to, you have to come meet us again if you beat Tampa Bay. So, yeah. <laughs> And I think one guy, too, that deserves a lot of credit is Don Sweeney. And I've been really critical. And I've been critical of Don Sweeney over the past five years because you look at his drafting has been inconsistent. He had some personnel moves, especially free agent signings that did not pan out. But when it comes to re-signings, he's been money. You look at the Marchand contract, you know, the Bergeron contract, the Krejci deal coming back, the Pasternak contract, the McAvoy deal. He's been awesome with re-signing Including guys. Lindholm as well. And Lindholm, and his trade, speaking of Lindholm, I mean, trading Eric Halla for Pavel Zaka is one of oh. the best moves made in the NHL. And, and Halla was yep. a good player for them. And it's been one of the best moves. And you mentioned Orlov, Hathaway, Bertuzzi. Like, and signing Linus Olmark, great move. Like, And I think that the key to it all was him – Moving on from Bruce Cassidy, who I think is a good coach. He's been a good coach yeah, in he's, Vegas, yeah. but wasn't maybe quite the right fit. And hiring Jim Montgomery, which, let's be honest, considering Montgomery's history with Dallas, was a little bit of a risk. And he took the risk, and it's paid off. So if the Bruins don't win the Stanley Cup this year, you can't blame Don Sweeney. I mean, he has put together, in my opinion, by far the best roster in the NHL. And yes, Colorado is great. Tampa's good. Toronto's good. Carolina's really good. They're a great team. But I think None the of them Bruins, are as deep as the Bruins, exactly. and that's and that's what makes this that's what makes this team truly must see TV on yeah. on, a, on a nightly basis. But why the expectation will be so it'll be so heavy once April seventeenth rolls around because yeah. the depth in this team in every shape and way is unlike anything that we probably have ever seen. And it's part of the reason why I genuinely believe that this team is going to not only set the NHL wins record, but also set the points record. And I do also believe that, and as you mentioned, you talked about Colorado, and that's no disrespect to Colorado because they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. And it wouldn't shock me if we saw them, should the Bruins get to the cup final, if we were to see that, it wouldn't surprise me. Because I did mention this on Twitter. Colorado is dangerous because yep. they're finally getting healthy and they've finally gotten healthy and they've been on a roll as of late and it would not surprise me with a western conference that is not as deep or is not as heavy as the east is we talk about the bruins we talk about the rangers we talk about um tampa bay and i would even throw in the toronto maple leafs as well the west is not as heavy yeah. It wouldn't surprise me to see even Colorado. I do think ha- they could beat Vegas if it came down to that. So, man, this Bruins team they they have to win. They have to they have to win in this year. The reason simply because, as you mentioned, not only that they have the the deepest roster in the league, goaltending, you name it, defenseman, you name it, everything. But this team is built to win now. Yeah, they have to win now. And I don't even want to think about the potential disappointment if this team does not win the cup this season. And that's 
that's how much conviction I really do have in this year's Bruins team. Yeah, and for me, like being a lifelong Bruins fan, it's kind of in my DNA that they'll lose at some point and break my heart. <laughs> so I'm a little scared that they're going to get to the Eastern Conference Final or the Stanley Cup Final and just somehow not win. But I will say this, Shukri, I agree with you totally and that this is the deepest Bruins team I've ever seen. And of all the Bruins teams I've ever watched, this is the one I am most confident in. And even more so than 2011 team that won yeah. the Cup. I'm even more confident in the 2013 team that got the cup, got to the Cup, excuse me, the 2014 team that won the President's Trophy. Like I'm more confident in this team because of their top-end talent is elite. I mean, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, McAvoy, like the, I could mm-hmm. go on, but yeah. their depth is so strong. And, and you have guys like Mac Grizzlick is a guy that's, you know, a middle defensive pair for the Bruins. He'd be a top pair guy on a lot of teams. Same thing oh, with Brandon sure. Carlo. I, I mean, you can roll out McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm, who would both be number ones on any team. And now they're one and one A on the Bruins. So uh, the depth to me is the best part about the Bruins. And Shukri, you mentioned they're built to win. Now, last question I want to ask you. So let's say the Bruins, like, I think they're going to win the cup this year. Let's say they do. Do you think that they will be a high-end contender for the next several years, or is this a one-shot deal, and then it's they're going to have to kind of retool a little? No, they'll be they'll be a contender for, for the next several years because of the, the contract extensions that they've given out to Lindholm. Also, should have mentioned Pavel Zaka earlier this season. They gave him a new four-year contract extension as well, and – even if let's say Bruins win the cup, Berger said, you know what? It's it's time. It's been a hell of a ride. Thank you, but I'm off into the sunset. I'm not concerned. Like, yes, it's important to have a number one center or or a number two center, or even the same thing applies to Krejci if he decides to walk into the sunset. I do think that this is still going to be a pretty damn good team because of the of the of the, of the talent they have in the roster. I am concerned. About, um, about like whether if the Bruins will be able to keep um Dimitri Orlov. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Gardner Hathaway is a is a one and done, um, um type of um player and whatnot, or Tyler Bertuzzi in that regard. But I think it would be huge if the Bruins are able to at least keep some of those guys, and I I think they'll still be able to be a contender, but. I am I am a little concerned about the about the the, the center the centerman uh, position. Should Bergeron and Krejci decide to walk away if the Bruins do win the cup? Now, if they do win the cup and they say, "Hey, you know, let's give it one one last kick at it," then it's like, you know what, running back. Yeah. Why not running back? Yeah, and no matter what, I think we can agree that over the next five years with all these extensions, the Bruins are going to be at the minimum a really solid team to good team. Yeah. And then if they can figure out the center position. Well, he is Shukri Writes, as I said. You can hear him and see him everywhere. He's always producing great content. Shukri, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate the time. I appreciate you having me, John. Thank you so much, man. Stay tuned here on Coach Time for a quick word from our... The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. 
Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Sponsors. Welcome back in. Thank you for that quick word from our sponsors. I'm John Lyons, your host. Big thank you to Shukri Wrights for joining us on today's episode. And I just want to follow up on a couple things that Shukri and I talked about. Number one, I think the Boston Celtics are in a better position than he does entering the playoffs, but I think his concerns are valid and that they've had a lot of instances of playing down to their competition this season. We've seen it against Orlando. We've seen it against Houston. We've seen it in plenty of games so far this year. And one thing I think Celtics fans can feel okay about is at least when you get to the playoffs, there won't really be any competition to play down to, especially if you end up playing Miami in the first round. Cause Miami's a team that, you know, as we talked about, went to an NBA finals in the bubble. They were in the Eastern conference finals last year. So the Celtics are going to have high level competition in the first round, presumably against Miami in the second round, presumably against Philly. And if they make it to the Eastern conference finals, presumably against Milwaukee as well. So at least when it comes to playing down to their competition, I don't think that's as big a concern, maybe a little bit in the first round against Miami, but even still Miami's a good enough team and has tested the Celtics enough and beaten them enough that I, I don't think that'll be as big an issue. I still think, they'll win that series and, and beat Philly in the second round as well. So I don't think the playing down is as big an issue, but I do think the Celtics have to be careful of getting in cruise control. And we saw that with the blown leads against Brooklyn and New York earlier this year, where they would get up by 28 in the case against Brooklyn, but get up significant leads, double digits, 15, 20 points, put it on cruise control and end up losing those games. And in other instances, barely hanging on to it. And I, don't think that'll be as big an issue in the playoffs, but I think if you're a Celtics fan like I am, it is something to monitor because I think they'll start fresh and I think they will end games much better than they did in the playoffs a year ago. It's just those portions in the middle if they get a lead, especially against a team like Miami, who's never going to stop fighting, or against a team like Philly, who has the presumptive MVP in Joel Embiid. You need to keep your foot on the gas pedal. So that's the one thing if I'm a Celtics fan I'm concerned about, but I feel even better about the Celtics going into this year's playoffs than I did last year. And I know going into last year's playoffs, they had gone on a great run and they were playing great, but this Celtics team is deeper. It's more talented. It has the experience 
from a year ago. So I actually feel better about them going into the playoffs. So one concern, Ime Odoka last year as the head coach. Now it's Joe Missoula. Udoka got to an NBA Finals. You knew he was a good leader for the Celtics team, at least on the court, prior to what happened in September. Missoula just hasn't shown that yet. And we don't, he could be that guy, but we don't know yet. And when you get to a point where you're coaching against Eric Spolstra in round one, potentially Doc Rivers, an NBA champion in round two, and you get later on in the playoffs, you're going to be coaching against great coaches. And the talent is going to be close. I still think the Celtics are the most talented team top to bottom in the NBA, but the talent's going to be pretty close. So Joe Missoula, I think, is. One of the biggest people to watch on the set. The biggest people, obviously, are Tatum, Brown, and Robert Williams. But Missoula is not far behind in that there's going to be a point where they're going to need him to draw something up in the moment to win them a game. And can he do it? And they're going to need him to steady the course if they get into a series and they're down 1-0 or they're down 2-1. Can he do it? We know Udoka can because he did last year. But can they? Can he, Missoula, that is, do it this year? I think that's the biggest question mark for the Celtics and hopefully he answers it positively. Well, that's it for another edition of Coach Time. Again, huge thank you to Shukri Wrights for joining us. I'm your host, John Lyons, on the Believe Network. New episodes every week of Coach Time. Thank you for tuning into this one, and I hope you tune in again next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.